Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. An Elio's original. You actually even do like cunnilingus with a dental dam. We don't do that anymore. I've never used a dental dam. Have you, Cam? No, I have not. By the way, my internet cut out for a while there. The last I heard was <laughs> nuclear bombs, and now we're talking about dental dams. <laughs> Hi, this is Margaret Cho, and uh, this is The Margaret Cho. Today, we have Karen Lee Potter and Cam Potter. Um, they are uh, here from Sex Talk with My Mom, which is a podcast they do together as a mom and son podcast. And <laughs> they're here to talk with us um, about sex and lots of other things. Um, Karen Lee and Cam are, are really special, so enjoy. Coming out of the dark. How's your, how's your uh, quarantine? How's our quarantine? Um, well, lonely. I li- <laughs> Cam is lonely. Um, I think I'm making the best of the situation. You know, it's not forever. We're dealing. How about you? It, it, it's something that I, I have like, um, you know, I'm ch- child of the eighties. So it's like when, um, in the 1980s, we always thought that there was going to be a nuclear war. I, I'm the same. I'm right there with you, but I think I got 10 years on you. Well, I'm 51. I'm so. 61. Okay. I got 10 years on you. So, yeah, exactly. So then do you remember when, like, they thought that we had, like, we're going to have a nuclear war and that we were going to have to live underground in um, bunkers? Yes. Oh it, it terrified me. I had nightmares about it. Yeah. And that we'd have to, like, have, like, emergency water reserves and eat, like, um, kind of uh, medical, like, what, med, med rations or whatever. <laughs> Like, like sp- military like space foods. Yeah. Military rations and, um, you know, kind of like doomsday prepper stuff. And so I sort of thought, well, we'll live, live, live in bunkers and we'd have to do like these drills at school around it, too. Oh, There's, yeah. Like movies about it. And I thought, oh, well, we're going to live this way. And then after earthquakes, we'd have these sort of like a few days of living that way, too, because I grew up in San Francisco. So there's oh, wow. some of that. So I think I have a little bit of PTSD from that. That makes me think about quarantine in that way. I never thought about that because it was called the movie called The Day After. Right. Exactly. Freaked me out. The Day After. Yeah. It's exactly like The Day After. Every day. What was The Day After? <laughs> <laughs> a movie that scared the hell out of me for years. What, did they have like the disaster? Was it? It was a nuclear war movie. Was it always on TV? Yeah. Yeah. And then they had like these discussion groups where you would talk about it at school after. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And you would talk about it was like a, a thing where you would talk about it with your classmates and about the trauma that you experienced uh, watching it and about your feelings about what was going to happen. And like, you know, to sort of talk about like trauma and remembered trauma and like what you would do. And um, there was a British version. I actually just watched it on um, recently when the quarantine first happened. I watched it on. Online. Why? Why did you watch that? <laughs> well, I wanted to Why? see like the British version was called Threads. And the British version actually was much hard, more hardcore because the British version um, goes far into because the Americans always kind of pull the punches when it goes into sort of like trauma the british version of actually goes into the nuclear disaster and then they do all of this stuff where the, there's people die in the house and they they had to bury the mom in the backyard and oh, it turns into like almost like a zombie apocalypse like it's like a <laughs> terrible situation 
it's like actually like with like horror movie makeup and stuff like horrible horrible like of course the american version doesn't do that but <laughs> it's like thank god i only saw the american and i will not be seeing the british version because i still get all freaked out about it very traumatic yeah we're, we're trying to like maintain like a zen thing going on <laughs> well it's it's a, it's like well, you have to be positive about it because it didn't happen we didn't have i think because of that because of all the trauma people were very conscious about nuclear holocaust and so we didn't have a nuclear war good point yeah so now this is a wake-up call for us paying attention to what's going on in the world Right, that we don't have uh, any more um, people being murdered by police. We don't have exactly. any more violence against black people, that we don't have any more murder and the chaos like that. Yep, and, and hopefully people will pay attention to the environment, pay attention to medical supplies being depleted with the rainforest being depleted. Mm-hmm. We, we can go on and on. Yeah, hopefully there's more of a consciousness around well i hope that also um i've been out i've been out there protesting and uh, i also been very conscious of the fact that uh covid is still out there even though it wasn't it's not canceled yeah covid's not canceled so you know i want people to be very aware to still wear their mask and oh yeah yeah it's i I was out there protesting it's quite challenging to keep both in you know in check like participating with roses and actually you know, not getting COVID at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to do, but I think, well, I've been doing it with, uh, on a motorcycle that helps. Oh, damn. Cause what? you have a mask awesome. and a motorcycle. So the motorcycle helmet. Oh yeah. And awesome. Go through. And then it's, it's hilarious. Little, it's easier. Cause then you're sort of moving and it helps. Um, but, uh, it, it's definitely like, I mean, I, I don't know. I get scared going to the grocery store um, still. Me too. I was just there this morning. I started a, after a certain amount of time. Like I walk in, I have a little anxiety, shop around a little bit. And then I have a boyfriend who's like has to go through every aisle and every detail. And I started getting more and more anxious. Like I, I felt like I couldn't even breathe. I, it's a mental thing. There's nothing physically wrong. It's just that after you're wearing your mask and then you see people that are getting close to you. Do, 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 do. <laughs> because <laughs> people just get close i don't know they don't i don't know why it, it, i live in a building in hollywood where there I, I i think people just have like this sense of well i live in this safe building so i can get 28 people in a hot tub and not wear masks mm-hmm. can you get in the hot tub i don't know wait can you get in a pool yeah. i don't yeah yep chlorine 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 will kill it yep I don't know. I mean, I think I'm pretty good with diseases. I have never gotten an STD, which is a miracle considering. Why? I've had a lot of sex. So have I. I never got an STD either. I never got oh, an STD. Actually, that's probably not 100% true. Who knows? Um, <laughs> I, I don't think I have ever. I've, I've never gotten an STD. And I've really, I've really done a lot. I mean, never. I never, um, at least as far as I know, not even, not even crabs. Wow. You are definitely lucky. But we, again, I think the older generation, we weren't as like, I don't know, there seems to be a lot more out there now. Uh, When I first started having sex was in the early 90s. And it was such a very, I was doing, um, I was working at a store called Stormy Leather. And we were, it was the very beginning of AIDS education. So we were doing a lot of like safer, safer sex technique classes. So it was a very, very big thing then to do a lot of like um, blowjobs with the condom. And you do these like classes or workshops where you would have like the flavored condoms with like the mint latex. And then you would do it like on like a banana and you, you would have like all the different kind of fruit and you would bring it to like the workshop and then show everybody and so there was like a big push. And then we'd actually even do like cunnilingus with a dental dam. We don't do that anymore. Uh, I, I've never used a dental dam. Have you, Cam? No, I have not. By the, <laughs> by the way, my internet cut out for a while there. And I'm just, I, we went from like nuclear, the last I heard was <laughs> nuclear bombs. And now we're talking about dental dams. So I don't know oh. if I missed something <laughs> between. You missed about, you missed, oh, you missed yeah. a lot about, well, we, I used to work in, um, in, in a sex store. 
in San Francisco in the early 90s. Oh, cool. It was a weird time. And sexuality was just such a, it was so different. And, and so people were getting really into BDSM because it was a way to be intense and sexual, but you weren't um, fluid bonding. Oh. That's really interesting. So BDSM was very, um, it was like this thing of like, we can get very hardcore, but we don't have to be at risk. Gotcha. And so that was one of the one of the big entry points into that. Oh, I'm going to get my dog to stop barking. Hang on a second. I love your tats, by the way. I've been oh, noticing. I watched one of your stand-ups oh, yeah. where you like took down your pants. Oh, yeah. And, and you had your butt cheeks talking to each other. And I'm thinking, this woman is fearless. <laughs> I was literally so excited to meet you because I don't know anyone who's as... As fearless as you. That well, was that's pretty it. wild. That's, <laughs> and it seems like you've added to the tattoo collection. Thank you. Yeah, I have a lot. And um, I think I might be done, though, because uh, I, don't, I don't produce any more endorphins when I get the tattoos. Oh, oh that so is just, wild. It just straight up hurts now. Oh. And it's like, ugh. Like my body sort I've of never off. had a tattoo and 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 I've always wanted to, but then I think I'm so ADD that I've changed my mind like the day the day after I get it and, and then I'm oh, stuck yeah. with it. That happens too. <laughs> then you start thinking, Oh, I should get you know, and I'm like, Oh, I want something else. You you have tattoos that you'd like, ah, I'd rather have something else right there? I think so. I do I do want I, I do want to all change everything. Because also I find other artists that I think, oh, that's so amazing. You know, and also the innovations um, in the techniques and the art changes and the, the trends change. And there, there's so many great artists, too. You, it's hard to decide of who would be great to do. But also, I love everybody that I, I get from. So I don't know. And then a lot of the tattoos that I have um, are uh, I love anyway. So it's hard. It's Yeah, I'm very much like I can't decide who I want to get them from. And then I'm thinking, what if it sags? What if they? What if like my <laughs> tattoo of a rose becomes like a snake or something? Yeah, that's Who all right. knows? That's that fine. I don't mind that part. How did you get so fearless? I think it's um, well, it's like I, uh, I my family um, are kind of they'll, they'll sort of do anything because they um, had a gay bookstore in the '70s and they're super like conservative Koreans. So that they makes no do, sense at all. Yeah, That's it doesn't crazy. make any sense. They'll sort of do anything. And they kind of raised me in this weird conservative way, but they also had a gay bookstore. Wow. <laughs> How did they end so up with a gay bookstore? I, I don't really know. I think because my dad really loves male attention. He's very handsome. Oh. So he loves to be adored, but he's not gay, but he loves to be adored by men. Wow. And so he loves to be painted by men and he loves the male attention and um, he, lo- he loves men, like, but he, he's not a gay man, but he loves the attention of men. What's his it's, zodiac sign? He's an Aquarius. Hmm. So um, I don't know if that has anything to do with, he's an ca- Aquarius, but Capricorn cusp. So I was thinking it has to do something. It's got more, there's more. We got to do your dad's chart one day. Yeah, maybe. I don't know very many Aquarian Capricorn guys either. I don't know. That's the one sign that I've never really known that many. I know a lot of cancers. Yeah. That's the one sign I always meet is cancers. Almost all of the people I ever know met or talked to or hang out with, they're always cancer. I'm a Sagittarius. I was going to say, you're a Sagittarius. I already looked you up. Yeah. Yeah. What are you? Libra. Oh, okay. I have a lot of Libra in my my, um, chart. And I feel very ah. Libra. I lo- love Libras. Libras are very like I have a really balanced eye. I could see. I could see in your decor of your home. Yes, very romantic looking. It's very like my like aesthetic is very Libra. Beautiful, but um, definitely. Uh, I, I mean, I definitely don't know a lot of like Aquarians or, but that my dad is definitely that's his life, like his like Aquarian life. Did having that bookstore like open up the conversation about sex immediately with you guys? I don't know, but they were always uh, like all the people that worked there were always getting tattooed. So when I first got tattooed, oh. the the people that worked there took me to Ed Hardy, who did my first tattoos. No way. Oh, so yeah. That's Ed where um, the tattooing began. And then Ed Hardy used to sell his tattoo books uh, from uh, my dad's bookstore. 
So in the 80s, um, when I first understood all of that tattooing world, that was where I learned about it was from my dad's bookstore. Did your mom have tattoos? No, no. Uh, My parents are still very conservative and very Korean, um, but they uh, and but they would have photographs of the employees who were all full body tattoos people on our refrigerator at home. So we had like, you know, these photos of people with full body tattoos in our house. And, you know, which which back in the day, back in the day, that was not popular. It's like now no, it's like no. very popular, but now then it was very, very avant-garde. But in the 70s and the 80s, that's like really avant-garde. Like that's totally to me, like that's crazy. It is. <laughs> like, me too. That's a very crazy thing to think about even now. But that was like a very normal thing to have in our house, you know, in the 70s and the 80s. But yeah, that's that's so, the way that my family were. So that's why I think I kind of turned out the way that I did because they were modeling for me or my parents were, were sort of showing me this is an example of an adult that we admire. Oh, exactly. Cool. Whereas the Jews were Jewish and the Jews um, frowned upon getting tattoos. Mm-hmm. It, it, I think it comes from like a few things, but you're not allowed to be buried in a Jewish cemetery if you've got tattoos, apparently. Oh, is it yeah. related yeah. to like the Holocaust and getting the It is related to yeah, exactly. Mm. So mm. for me, it was like, I, I didn't know anybody who had tattoos. And the person that did, I was like, oh, she has a tattoo. And now it's like, I live in LA. I'm the oddball for having no tattoos. Yes. Yes. I mean, it is definitely, um, uh, definitely like a culturally for some, it's very much um, taboo. In other cultures, you can't be in the family if you don't have them. Like there's like, these Samoan um, brothers I know who have, they had to go back to Samoa and get these full body tattoos that are like so insane. And it's like, it's like so much um, time and so painful and they have to do it because it's like huge part of their family ritual, you know? And it's like, it's so beautiful, but it seems like so much time and so much pain to go through. They have to, you know, and it's it's just amazing. So Holy it's like moly. different cultures are so different, you know, when they approach tattooing. So did yeah. your parents, I mean, I watched a little of your stand-up and your parents were at one of your, it might have been years ago, but how, what was their reaction when you went on stage and talked graphically about sex? Well, they, they didn't like it, but they uh, love that I am um, successful and they love that I do what I do. Like now they love the career that I have, but they, I don't, they didn't have a problem with the content of, you know, I think they just had a trouble that I wasn't a doctor or like a lawyer or something like that. I think they, they're just happy that I am successful, but I don't think that they have a problem with like sex talk or anything like that it's more just the i guess the avenue of it that it's something that they can't really understand they don't really understand what stand-up comedy is exactly that's the that's the hard part like that's it's a de- the definition of the business they don't get but the other than that thing they get they love it have you ever that's had good. a conversation where you're like explaining hey this is i get up on stage and i tell <laughs> jokes yeah and then people yeah. pay you for that. Yeah, I think they get that part, but that that think that they're like they don't have the equivalent of it in Korea. So I mm-hmm. guess they think, well, maybe it's like it's being a singer, or it's guess it's kind of like being an actor in between that, <laughs> um, <laughs> somewhere in the middle of that. I guess an entertainer would be most like the yeah. clown of some kind. But they're very happy about it, and they really love being included. They love show business. And so oh, they love to awesome. be a part of it. Um, so they always ask if they can be in shows and if they can be um, included. So they would love to be uh, a part of it. And you, you guys do a podcast together. Correct. Well, that's it. We, we do sex talk with my mom. And Cam initially went to Stanford. And he was going to be a consultant. And mm-hmm. he was going to make a lot of money and <laughs> a lot of bonuses and travel. Here's some resentment there, mother. No, there was no resentment. I'm the one who encouraged you to to do what's going to make you happy, right? So then what happened, Cam? Well, I went to, I actually did go to clown school. Uh, mm. and I got very into, you know, I'd been doing a lot of comedy throughout my life. Um, and I was like, oh man, I do not want that corporate gig anymore. Um, so I tried to start writing for TV and working for writers. Um, 
and then ultimately I real I started doing stand up and realized that my mother having a YouTube channel about sex was like a gold mine for material. <laughs> and so I started so using that in our my stand up and then eventually I was like, Well, we should just collaborate on this podcast together if we're gonna That's awesome. Talk yeah, and initially, um, well, what we didn't tell you is that, I don't know if you knew this, um, but um, my husband, Cam's father, um, was murdered back in 2006. Mm. And uh, so I became single again. And I decided, well, I need to get some help. So I went on YouTube. And of course, there's nobody on YouTube besides like, you know, little 20 year olds. And I was in my 40s, 20 year olds telling you how to date or the pickup artist. So I said, well, you know what? I'm going to make my own YouTube channel. And mm-hmm. I'm going to, you know, talk about dating and help women, empower them to go out in the dating world again. And then just 18 to 35-year-old horny dudes were, were watching the channel. Yeah. And the whole cougar concept. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, I leaned into it and uh, started interviewing porn stars and getting a lot of more attention there. And uh, then wrote a book called Cougar's Guide to Getting Your Ass Back Out There. Uh-huh. And that was for women. And Cam, you took my book and started using it in stand-up comedy. I love it. Yeah. I love that's it. That's our little origin story. Was sexuality ever like a thing that you couldn't talk about with your parents? Or were like, did you have anything to even rebel against? No, I mean, the rebellion really has to do more um, with, um, I think, ideas of what Asian women can be like and uh for me it's 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 really um more uh about society's vision of what asians are about for me it's more like in 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 entertainment society is really um kind of coming to terms with asians being visible mm-hmm. you know um and existing within entertainment so that that's the rebellion for me is just becoming visible in um in entertainment as as we're sort of emerging but in terms of sex it's more like um just becoming and and existing um usually i think the image of asian women in sex is really something of like submission and quiet yes. and uh a very kind of like non-existent or uh passive sort of subject why mm-hmm. is that I'm not sure. I think it's sort of that sort of Madame Butterfly kind of like sexual, like sort of submissive flower fantasy. But I don't think that that's necessarily the case. I don't I don't and I don't really feel like I'm that. Um, If anything, I'm much more of a sort of um, playful or either uh, either or like I can be very dominant. I can be submissive for sure, but I also like to flip things around. Here's a switch. I'm a switch. I can also be butch, but I also really like to play and um, be more, um, I think, uh, adaptable, you know, and, and I think it's it's definitely fun. It's fun to, to submit, but it's also fun to dominate, too. It's also yeah. it's, it's also fun to be adaptable. Are you do you find that you're still like like exploring a bunch of new ways of playing with other people and yeah definitely definitely and i'm bisexual too so that's another thing that's the one thing that my parents really have a hard time with they really find really are, are really okay with me being a lesbian they're really okay with me being straight but they really have trouble when i switch it up Whoa. <laughs> why because why? they're like but we've heard this before from other gay guys <laughs> well they're fine with like the when they're like when you're gay it's like oh okay and when I'm straight, it's like, oh, okay. But then when it's my bi, they're like, oh, no. <laughs> they get really confused. Because it's like, no, only one, only one. You know, so, so it, you're deviant otherwise. Yeah, because it's like, yeah, you have to decide. Wow. And because you're being untruthful if you're not one or the other. So I think that's where it, it's almost like you're lying if you're not one or the other. I think that we've heard this before from people that were um, by and, and, and like we knew we interviewed a guy who was living with another man and he considered himself bi, but the other man was uh, 100% gay, like gold star, you know, yeah. gay. And he said he's not accepted like in either world because of that. Yeah. There's a kind of thing of like uh, bisexuality is a very uh, mysterious identity because people sort of don't believe you and either either the world of gayness 
doesn't accept it. And also the straightness doesn't accept it. It's weird. So my parents are kind of part of that too. But that's the only area that they don't really get. Everything else, they're kind of very roundly accepting. I think as you get older, actually, older people often are very accepting. Do you agree with that, Mom? Well, I don't know, because my parents, uh, you know, they, they well, my dad was 90 when he just passed away, and my mother's in her mid-80s, and she was never able to acknowledge that her brother was gay. It was obvious he was gay. Mm. He's living with two guys all his life. He never went on a date with a female. And uh, he, they, she's just, like, he's not gay. I'm like, yeah, he is. <laughs> no, he's not. And then on the other side, you know, we had a, another cousin who was wearing tights all the time and all the theater and very, very, but, but again, it was so frowned upon. He would always say, oh, no, no, I'm, you know, I'm not gay. I just have, you know, I have a lot of guy friends. Mm-hmm. Now he's out in 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 full full game gay you know enjoyment, but before I mean our our age group really looked down upon gay people. Mm-hmm. But it's I, like I, so different from now. I do think you are you're a little more. Well, I think you're an anomaly, mom. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> I'm the mm-hmm. oldest living millennial. Just if yeah, we, yeah, you're pretty it. liberal in your your stance on all this but i think it's our podcast because we interviewed so many people with uh, polyamory and multi-amory and and i mean every uh, transgender everything we've interviewed so many different people that how could you not be completely open to any kind of sexuality when so you know it's it to me it's like this is very interesting hold up what was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I think polyamory is really uh, is really modern too. I think mo- more and more people are definitely poly. Oh yeah. I don't know if I, I don't know if I've been I've been poly for a while, but I don't know if I am right now. I think I'm too. Um, I'm not sure. I I think I, I I probably would be poly, but I'm I'm kind of now. I don't know. I'm so tired. <laughs> Do you, do you have anybody significant in your life? I do. I have um, one uh, guy that I really like him a lot. And um, he's my quarantine Valentine. He's my quarantine. Oh, so that, that's so nice. I really adore him. And then he, but he, so he's the only one that I see. Um, but, uh, I, and, but I was dating a few other people, a couple of actually women um, before the lockdown. And, um, but then that, that sort of went, uh, away when the lockdown happened. So then I don't think that, um, and then now, so it's just, just been him, but I think, which I think is good. And I, I don't know. And then I now don't really feel like I, I want to see anybody else, but. Are you, are you able to trust him that he's like not quarantining pretty significantly? And yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's yes. good. Very much. See, and, quarantine yeah. is a good test. It's a good test for a relationship. Yes, I think so. And I think it's nice that we're not quarantined together either. So it's it's, it's totally it's, there's something to be said for that. I think you might be good. you might be in the ideal situation, Margaret. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise good. you're either living with someone, you're with them now. Which is me or you're or living with no one, which is Cam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You might you might have the best of all worlds. I feel I feel good about it. I feel good about it. But it's I know that this time is hard for people who are cohabit cohabitating. Because mm-hmm. of the togetherness is a lot. It's it's a lot, especially when um I'm I've been living with my boyfriend since the start of this. Well, actually, we've been living together for you know twelve years already, but it's still like we have a very small one bedroom apartment. So when you're with each other twenty four seven, it was fine when he was going to work every day. But then all of a sudden, he's there every morning, and he's staying. He's still there in the afternoon. And he's still there at night, mm-hmm. and I'm still there all morning, noon, and night. So together, it's a lot of togetherness. Yeah, yeah. What what do you think like is occupying your thoughts if you don't have to worry about uh, romance or anything? Um, 
I guess it's really about um, trying to uh, figure out um, what my creative life is when I'm not doing comedy. Mm. So that's a very, because it's like most of my time is really going out and doing comedy or traveling to a place to do comedy or figuring out what my shows are going to be. But now that's all gone. So it's very weird. Like so much of my life is structured around doing shows. And now pretty much the year is like not that. So yeah. I realized so much of my time is all of that. That So a big part of my life is gone. So it's very, it's a real, it's a real like loss. And so there's some grief around that, some depression, some mourning around that. So I'm trying to figure that out. It's weird. It's very sad. It's, it's hard to cope with kind of. Yeah, totally. It is when when you when you're so if you if your personality is very type A and you're always having to do things, mm-hmm. such as myself. I finished a book and then I decided, well, I'll take fifty photo albums and to condense them. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge project. Yeah, it's like I never have time for boredom. Then you know, I just always have a project on my agenda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just, uh, I yeah, I don't, I don't think that. Uh, I, I, I mean, I always. Um, I always had time to like uh, look at things, like look at things, and I never took photos. I always like was just like doing comedy, so I never took photos, and so I was like making jokes about it. So I never took any photos. So it was all like jokes instead of taking photos. So I never did anything like that. I don't. I I did. I just told all the jokes that I never took any photos. So I should have taken photos. (laughs) People probably took photos of you. Maybe I guess so. That's probably good. I I just have always been the historian kind of person, but also, but, but not really because I'm living my life through the lens instead of like being present and doing that, you know, Uh, making the jokes. jokes. I should have been writing down the jokes. You should have been taking more pictures. We would have been perfect. I know. It's funny though, because it's like, I, I think like now that I, um, now that I look back, I'm like, I realize, oh, those are the things that I should have missed, like like I, that I missed, that I should have remembered, um, like taking the photos. Because back then, you know, we didn't have social media. So we didn't have, like, if you didn't take a photo with, like, that camera, you didn't have it. Now, of course, right. it's so lucky that kids have that. So they have their memories right there, which I think is one of the great things is, you know, you have your memory or you have your life right right in front of you. Except that I, I, you give your camera to someone or you give your phone, take a picture. They take like 20 every time, you know? So you, you never go through any of them because you got 40,000 that are on my phone now because I got the, you know, the big, large RAM gigabyte, whatever. Yeah. And I, so you don't see any pictures because there's too many. Right. That's true. It's funny. Have you been finding that like you, you have a tendency, like a way of, of coping with that, that like that grief? Um, I think that, uh, well, I've just been, um, right, like lately, um, watching a lot of K dramas. So it's like Korean TV shows help. Yeah. That's very good because it's like, um, there's a thing about Korean TV shows that really tap into the Korean psyche, um, where there's like a crying part in every episode so there's like a l- at least a good three or four minutes of crying in each episode of every no awesome. show no way so in like a 15 minute show there's about yeah three or four minutes of crying no matter what the show is if it's a comedy <sighs> or drama or romance or whatever or horror there's always crying why so it's awesome because koreans really need to like cry because they're so shut down as a people Oh, that really we can't cry in any other capacity other than when we're watching TV. So there's always every uh, that's the only emotional outlet we have. That is, is unbelievable. I should watch this. I, I don't really cry good. enough. Yeah, you cry all the time. What are you talking? About? I don't cry all the time. You, you're a very emotional person. No, that's good. That's I, really did, good. I think it's good, but I, you don't need to cry more. I think the, I think the last time I cried was watching uh Duncan Trussell's Midnight Gospel. That was, oh, I heard gospel. that's really good. I heard that people cry to that for that. Uh, they really cry when they watch that. Oh, my I God. I love him, too. Yeah. That's wonderful. Finale is a killer. It's a killer. That's beautiful. So I have a, uh, a switch here. Um, I saw in your stand-up that you get the, the aisle and the airplanes. Oh, yes. Me, too. Oh. And for the same reason, because you're right. You're, you, <laughs> you cannot sit at the window if you have to go to the bathroom like five times a flight, I always have to get up. Me too. I always have to it's- get up because I'm always afraid that I'm going to have um, a urinary tract infection. 
<laughs> exactly. You, you have to keep on high alert at all times. So I'm always having to just like push out whatever. Because it's like I'm always kind of like worried. Everything down there has to always be pushing out. It, the, 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 I'm very conscious of everything. Like I'm always doing like Kegels. I'm always doing some kind of like. Where I, does that come from? I agree. I think it's. It's like the super, I think it like when you're, um, cause my mom had a hysterectomy in the seventies and like, so when you're, uh, when you grow up with that kind of mentality of like, always do your kegels, always make sure you evacuate your, uh, urethra entirely. Really? <laughs> your bladder I just entirely. Got, I just had a whole hysterectomy and I feel better than I've ever. Oh really? And I don't and I don't have to go to the bathroom as much. Oh, hmm. there's not so much pressure down there. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. good. Do you so do don't be like, fearful? Okay. Do you do hormone therapy then? Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. how does that? How, how did, did that make you feel better? Does it feel good? Love, love. I'm a big promoter. Big proponent. That yeah, feels great. You don't do it. I do a little bit of the the yeah, like the the bioidenticals. Yeah, and that helps a lot. Totally. That helps so much, actually. And in every aspect, especially bones. Yeah. And I like, um, and also the, uh, like the testosterone helps the orgasms a lot. I didn't do the testosterone, but I, but I think marijuana does the trick for me. Oh, yeah. I'm sober, but the um, testosterone really helps like uh, for orgasms in like multiples. Really? Yeah. I found like just a little bit. I, I may give it a shot, but I thought I'd get really mean on it. Oh, yeah. I don't do enough. It's like I do tiny amounts. Like it's not enough to actually have like sort of any sort of mood shift. Um, I'm going to give it another shot now that I had the hysterectomy. Yeah. I mean, I think like um, there's also the have you done the Mona Lisa? What What is the Mona Lisa? The Mona Lisa, the laser. It's like a laser that goes. It's sort of um, oh, the vaginal. Yeah. It's, it's oh, you not- talked about that. You did that, right? No, I did the uh, the the collagen bead, which I didn't like. Oh, the okay. collagen thing is in um, it's a G shot, which I didn't right. like. Um, it's where they put, and I don't think they do that anymore. And it's very expensive, but they put it under your G spot, and it inflates the the, the spongy tissue under there to make it so that you can. Um, orgasm with uh pressure under there but it doesn't work because it's like that that everybody's going to have a different reaction i don't think you can actually enlarge a g-spot that way yeah and i don't think everybody has everybody's g-spot yeah and i don't think it's going to be the same thing if you put pressure on it if you know it's like we orgasm in different ways it doesn't have uh the same effect no matter what exactly the Mona Lisa laser is a laser therapy that um, I think it's supposed to uh, a laser therapy that goes into the vaginal wall and it's supposed to um, tighten the vaginal wall and make it wet again. Okay. I have not had that yet. Me neither. I, I, I don't, I, <laughs> I, um, I was, I don't know if I have that problem. I think it mine. It's, it's fine. I don't really need anything in that department. Ex, ex, uh, there's, um, some kind of a, uh, I think there's a supplement that you can get wetter that it makes you wetter. I don't know what that is. Estrogen. As I mean, does that like, estro- I think that the bioidentical helps me with that. Right. In general. You're good. You're good but to go. It's a fun, um, it's fun to think, to explore the idea of like, oh, what, what, what can I do? What can I do to help all this stuff along? I, I agree. Yeah. Preaching to the choir here. <laughs> but it's like, a, I, but yeah, I have to sit on the aisle because I always have to get up and pee all the time. And, and I love in your stand-up how you like tell the, all the, the gay guys, you just like call them all out on like they should try, you know, going down on a woman and you like make the funniest faces. <laughs> well, it's fun. I mean, they should just try. They shouldn't be so afraid. <laughs> it, took, it took me a while to, to appreciate it. To uh, to go down on women, yeah, it's a it's a it's an art form. It's a lost art. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't it, I don't think it necessarily came very naturally to me. Uh, it t- definitely took a few tries to like yes. understand what the hell is going on. 
Well, there's so many different, I mean, like I always say that that area is like a, a little snowflake that's no one's like the same. So how does a guy know like what to do or a girl? How does anybody know what to do when going to, it's one thing when you have a, a blow job, that's kind of like, you know, there's not that much variety there, but with a finding that clit, yeah. knowing what, what's going <laughs> to, and knowing how to, how to work it. That's another story. I know. And everybody's so different. And, but you know, the people that really love it, really love it. And, uh, and sometimes it's just the perfect thing. How did, how did you decide to start experimenting with different genders? And Well, I always, uh, I think uh, I always was attracted to girls and like, I always thought I was a lesbian when I was even like younger, like growing up, I just identified as a lesbian, even as a kid, I thought I was just like loved girls. Like I loved my friends. I wanted to be with girls. I always identified as like a, I, I was gay. Like I knew that I was gay, like as a kid and as a teenager. So I sort of came out very young as a lesbian. And then in my early twenties, I was like, Oh no, I like guys. Like I was attracted to men. And when in my twenties, oh, wow. then I was real confused. And I'm like, uh Oh, wait, this is not right. <laughs> I, I'm not supposed to like guys. What the fuck? And I was like, oh, no, I'm straight. And then I was like, oh, wait, no. uh oh, I'm gay. And then it was like back and forth. And then I was like, oh, you don't have to decide. Yeah. So now it's just kind of whatever. <laughs> yeah. That's where I think all like all future generations seem to be going. Yeah. I, I don't know because I tried making out with a woman. Mm -hmm. I really tried. Yeah. And I just I just could not get into it. Now maybe it was just one particular girl or maybe I just wasn't in the mood or maybe it's society has conditioned me so much not to do it that or not to like it that maybe I it's just I'm not able to open up to that aspect but I don't know. I just there's something visceral with me with men. So, I don't yeah. know. You just like guys. What are you about? I I had, do? I have a similar reaction when I th think of myself as straight. Mm -hmm. uh, which I do ident identify as straight, but then I think of like all the like the things that come with being straight, like mm -hmm. uh, especially for guys, like you know this idea that you should just be wanting to fuck all the time, and you know bottle. Like for me, it's always been much more of an, an emotional experience. Yeah, and and so like I'll get turned on if someone says something nice to me or something like if I like oh. the person <laughs> that's nice it, and but that's like a very not straight Bro. guy thing to yeah. to experience and it was always yeah. very confusing to me yeah and so but that's I, nice yeah it is i guess it is nice it makes it makes dating a bit harder than it would mm. be for my friends i think mm -hmm. who, who identify mm -hmm. more as like you know very straight traditional dudes yeah and they're just not picky that's all yeah. <laughs> no, I think they just, they don't feel, the, I think a lot of them just will, you know, if they have the opportunity, they don't have like a lot of empathy for the people that they're having sex with, I think. Yeah. Like and they're led by their penises. Yeah. I yeah. think that's right. Yeah. But I mean, it, it you know, I think that uh, it doesn't have to be that way. I think, you know, straight guys can be evolved too, you know. They can they can change and they can grow. I have I have like I've all these like old um you know that magazine we O U I We magazine it, it was used oh, to yeah, it yeah. Used, used to be run by um Hugh Hefner is the Playboy owned it. It was like the European label of Playboy. It was Playboy and then We and then Penthouse and Hustler um, back in the day in the seventies and the eighties and. Um, the masculinity was so uh, different because it was so separate from femininity. You know, it was so uh, much about um, it was like girls and tennis and motorcycles and cigarettes and <laughs> judo. <laughs> and it was so like separating your emotions <laughs> from your um, friends and from your like sports and like from your football and like there was so little like emotional engagement and so little like um about like uh, anything like understanding why your feelings were your feelings and understanding her feelings and um like separating your uh like emotional life from her emotional life and you know having these real strict boundaries about masculinity Macho. 
Yeah, very macho and very much through these like very strict rules about masculinity um, and keeping within those borders. And and so much of that has gone away. You know, so a lot of these magazines are very much like dinosaurs of this idea of like maleness and mm-hmm. yeah. performative maleness that, you know, they're, they're all gone now. So it's it's a good thing to remember, like these things don't have to be what we are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I th- yeah. It doesn't feel completely gone for me. Like I, I still feel like a, a weirdo mm-hmm. a bit. Um, mm-hmm. in sp- you know, especially when I talk to older generations, even when I talk to mom, your boyfriend, Ed, like I feel like we're in very different camps in this way. He's very broy. Yeah. He's broy. And your dad was from Argentina. He was macho. Yeah, like and he, it like the big, like any, <laughs> the way they make fun of each other is just you're gay, you're gay. That, that used to be the the way people made fun of each other. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you know what? It's it's a good thing to change. Change is good, and it's a good thing to grow, and it's a good thing to um, explore that. You know, and uh, I mean, I think like. Uh, you know, to explore those, the, the feminine feelings and the, the different feelings and to cry. It's very good. <laughs> I've, I have found that I, I think because of the way I am like leaning more towards, you know, like at least embracing my femininity at the least. Mm-hmm. I, I am attracted to women who are, that embrace a masculinity. Yeah. Which is a really, it's, it's pretty fascinating to even see that, that tendency of mine to yeah to want like the compliment you know mm-hmm. yeah i love i love a masculine woman too like i love a really like a tomboyish girl like i love like a Kristen stewart moment like a real like a, <laughs> <laughs> like i love a ruby rose like Kristen stewart like a <laughs> not that that's even remotely masculine but kind of butch tomboy like i think it's so darling and kind of <laughs> It's so cutely like it's so cute and still so feminine as fuck, but so so hot and butch too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So cute. yeah, it's a different type of femininity, I guess. Yeah, it's very it, it is, but it is kind of like a blunt femininity. It's blunted in a masculine way. It's very European somehow. Mm-hmm. It's really elegant. I love it. So when you when you tour, do you get a sense for how sex and relationships get? Are, are treated around the world? Um, I think it's a lot more free in like in Europe for sure. And then a lot more buttoned up in Asia, like in Asia, it's like way more like conservative. Well, like in, in like Korea, it's like people aren't even out like in like Korea, like in gay pride in Korea, people, um, and this is before COVID people would wear masks and nobody would take photos because you couldn't be out. Like nobody wow. could be like, openly out and openly marching for gay rights you're Mm. openly seen there you know and it's like really taboo and it's very strange like you could be for gay rights and talk about gay rights but you couldn't be photographed at a gay rights rally or anything like that so it's like a very weird thing um it's it's like very secretive and you know i have a bunch of gay friends there but they can't be out to their families and they can't be out at work. And, and so it's really, it's a duality that I think is very, very strange. Um, but uh, in, in, um, in Europe, it's very, um, you know, there's like a lot of, a lot of like people who are very out both at home and at work. And, you know, people have like gay and straight alliances in their, their like schools and in like work and in, in their work, like environments are very gay. And it's like a very like, different kind of thing so i think it's more gay there than america even so it's cool mm-hmm. it's like definitely sure paris much more open yeah and germany mm-hmm. germany's kind of kinky i hear very kinky and the and kern uh kern 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 kern, kern is like the way they have all the leather bears oh, the capital yeah. of, of bears and leather is kern. oh damn <laughs> So anytime you want to go there, Cam, you can yeah, noted. find one of your own. Anytime you need a bear. All the leather bears. Um, well, where can people find your podcast and, and you on the internets? You can find us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Uh, yes. Just type in Sex Talk with My Mom. And uh, you can pretty much type that into uh, Instagram, TikTok now. 
you'll see my mother dancing around. I, I, I'm, an, I'm obsessed with TikTok. I love it. So, it's so fun. I love it. Well, I'm going to check it out. Yeah. Well, thank so you sex so talk much. with my mom everywhere. I love yeah, it. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, inviting us yeah. to Yeah, Thank you. I enjoyed it so much. Never miss an episode of The Margaret Show. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The Margaret Show is an Erios production with editing by Melissa Stetton and original score by Garrison Starr. my dreams, waking me out of my sleep. I think I'm coming apart. Coming out of the dark, coming out of the dark, coming out of the dark. Yeah, I'm coming out of the dark. An Erios original. Powered by ACAS. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.